a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. A lot happening in the uh, fastest 60 minutes of radio today, all leading up towards uh, noon today when uh, we will carry live the uh, Attorney General Republican debate uh, between David Levitt and Sean Reyes. Uh, you don't want to miss that today. Some very important conversations there. Uh, we always want you to be part of that conversation. You can do that on our Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line, 575 575- Zero zero. And speaking of crucial conversations, uh, very pleased to be joined by our good friend Joseph Grinney, uh, who is one of the authors of Crucial Conversations, influencer, a host of others, best-selling uh, New York Times best-selling books. Uh, but he's also part of the Other Side Academy. We had Dave DeRocher on yesterday, talking about the extraordinary work that uh, the students did in helping clean up uh, the city. Uh, Joseph, thanks for joining us. It's good to be with you, boy. Uh, we have uh, we have leaned on you extensively over the last couple of months as we've talked about the kinds of conversations and the the kind of influence we needed to exert uh, in the midst of the coronavirus, uh, and we thought you know we just need to crank it up another notch and add to the degree of difficulty. So now we've added some civil unrest okay. and some race yeah. conversations. Uh, what should we? Let, let's just start with the the crucial conversation. Uh, when it comes to, to race in this country, how should we be approaching something that uh, we're still still trying to get right in the country? Yeah, well, I, I think first and foremost, it's important for us to understand the source of violence. Mm. When, uh, when, when people do break out in aggressive and even violent ways at times, typically it's after long periods of silence, and often that's enforced silence. So when in, in crucial conversations, we talk about how when people don't feel safe, they have two avenues that they pursue. One is silence. The other is violence. Both of them are expressions of the same thing. People don't feel safe unless there are conditions that we call mutual purpose and mutual respect. Mutual respect, of course, just means that people believe that within a community they're respected, that, that their intrinsic worth is acknowledged. But mutual purpose means that their needs, their goals, their interests, their concerns are also encompassed. At least they believe they're encompassed in the, in the larger priorities of their community. And when either of those is absent, people who are in silence for a long period of time inevitably break out in violence. Now, I'm not suggesting that means that those who are being wronged by the violence ought to tolerate that, but what I am suggesting is that we can't solve the problem if we don't understand the root cause. And uh, and what we need is opportunities for dialogue. Yeah, that is uh, so, so vital. We we continue to say that the solution to any problem begins when someone says, let's talk about it. But I appreciate the fact that you're stepping us back a half step there uh, to recognize that absent that safety, that mutual purpose and mutual respect, it's really hard to be, you can have a superficial conversation, but then you're kind of more dealing with the symptoms as opposed to the root cause. 
Yeah, that's right. And as you know, as you and I know, uh, your your professional work so often involves crucial conversations. For people to muster up the vulnerability to engage in a conversation requires enormous courage. And if people muster that courage and then feel like it's not honored by people actually listening and accepting some of what's offered and making appropriate changes, then uh, then it, it almost feels like a violation of an implicit compact when I entered that conversation. So so years and years of that feeling of neglect and and that there's uh, there's a woodenness in the response uh, can can create a, a sense of futility and frustration that causes people to say this is my only avenue. Yeah. Oh, and that that silence to violence cycle. You can see that uh, you can see that individually. You can see it in businesses and organizations, and we're we're witnessing it at a uh, at a national level. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Joseph, as we. As we look at how we, we move this forward, I, I was just talking with uh, former Senator Gordon Smith. We are talking about the role of the media uh, in all of this conversation and where all the division is and what's getting reported nationally versus locally, what's happening politically. And it, it's interesting to me that if you if you actually start going down the list, uh, we agree. I think everybody agrees on a, on a lot of the issues that were supposedly not dealing with am i wrong no I, I i think we do but i but unfortunately there are many that don't believe in that agreement because they haven't seen it translate to change mm. so i i think there are a couple of issues you talk about the role of the media i think the media does have a role of, of inflaming at times and of uh, uh, of taking single incidents and making them look as though they're broad patterns i think politicians at times will trade on anger and frustration but we've got to set that aside because they wouldn't be able to trade on it if there wasn't some legitimate concern some legitimate grievance that was out out there, they're tapping into something that's real. I, I'm I, I'm struck. I, I I've done a lot of business in South Africa, and in South Africa, there's a, a poll taken regularly to look at the state of race relations, and there's a single question on it that I absolutely love. The question that's asked of everybody is everybody taking the poll is in the last six months have you had somebody from the other race? So if it's whites, it's asked about blacks. If it's blacks, it's asked about whites. Have you had somebody from the other other race over to lunch or dinner? Mm. Yeah, what, what a beautiful question. What a beautiful question. Are, are we really changing our relations if, if our inner circles aren't changing? If we're not sitting down and having intimate and friendly conversations, not just escalated conversations at moments like this, but building a reserve of trust and amity and comedy that, that, that makes us feel as though that we're part of that society, that there is mutual purpose and mutual respect. That's where that comes. Yeah. I, I have a friend, uh, an African-American, who moved to Utah years ago, and I asked him after a few years, just sort of in a casual moment, you know, what's it been like for you? And, uh, and he said, you know what? I have two answers. Number one, he said in Utah, he said, I think people treat me generally with respect. But then he said, there are little things, little evidences that remind me that I'm a black man here. He says, for example, when I go to a grocery store and I give the, the cash over and they're turning back the change, they don't put it in my hand. I noticed the white man mm -hmm. that came before me, they'll put it in his hand. Mine, they put it on the counter. There are these little micro inequities at times as well that I think draw down on a feeling that of mutual purpose and mutual respect and make me feel like I'm not included in the community of the same way. And unless you and I are at lunch and dinner having these casual conversations where we can understand the other person's experience of the community, we'll, we'll never create the real change that gets us past moments like this. Oh, that's, that is so vital. And that's the challenge to everyone today. Uh, when was the last time you had 
dinner or lunch or a meaningful conversation uh, with someone from another race, another religion, another faith background, another uh, ethnic experience? Uh, when have you done that? Uh, what a great question. I, uh, I love that. Uh, just in our remaining couple of minutes here, uh, Joseph, and again, if you're just joining us, Joseph Grinney is on the line with us, uh, my favorite influencer out there, a tremendous thinker as it relates to all of these crucial conversations. It it, it goes back to what you were talking about, that the, the politicians are, are trading on anger and angst and fear and frustration. The media is obviously profiting from really generalizing things that maybe are more local issues. Uh, talk to me a little bit about this difference between uh, I, I think it's easy to incite <laughs> to incite anger or a riot. Uh, I think it's hard to get to insight uh, and understanding right. with one another. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's that's the truth. You know, the, you know I, I remember on I uh, was it Sunday night um, I was sitting and watching or Saturday night when when this began here in Utah. And the, the camera just continued to seem to try to seek out the most aggressive, uh, the most over-the-top kind of incidents there was. And, uh, and even the reporters on the street, and I know in the moment there's not a lot that you can do because you don't have a plot or a plan yet. But, but this still is a pattern that's played out frequently. Yeah. They're, they're, they're trying to just find somebody that's angry that just threw something and get them to comment. Uh, it's fine to get a little bit of that because that's part of the story. But underneath it are the, the kinds of, uh, uh, of passions and insults and hurts that we need information about. We need specificity. We need to know about experiences. It's the kind of things you get at the lunch or the dinner. But that ought to be the role of the media is helping all of us at the end of the story, not just to say, good heavens, awful things are happening, but to what degree am I part of, of the, the backstory that's creating this moment? Um, that's the insight. I love your, your differentiation of insight versus inciting. Yeah, I, I think there's there's so much there. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, we'll have uh, Joseph back uh, later on this week or early next week when we can get him, uh, because this is so vital to us. It's it's If we let this moment pass as just a moment and we don't really turn it into a movement that is different, where we get to the insight, where we get to the understanding, where we get to what Joseph's been talking about in terms of creating that safe space, not in a weak way, but in a strong way with mutual purpose, mutual respect. Uh, we will have this conversation again in another year and another 10 years. Uh, Joseph, as always, really appreciate your your insight uh, and your understanding and your ability to influence, uh, make a difference in the world. So grateful. I'm grateful for your influence as well, Boyd. It's great to be part of the conversation. All right. Again, that's uh, Joseph Grinney. Always love to hear how he's thinking about the issues of the day and, most importantly, what we can do about it. Uh, it's not enough to watch it and observe it. It's not enough to be disgusted by it or angry about it. We have to do something with it and move it all forward. All right. We're going to step aside. When we come back, final segment of Inside Sources for a Tuesday and uh, leading up to noon, where we'll have the Attorney General debate between David Levitt and Sean Reyes, Utah Debate Commission, right here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.